to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies you love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, uh, joined on a very special double feature occasion uh, by my newly discovered friend, Carmelita Vasquez McCoy. Did I get that right? Valdez McCoy. You were so close. It's a lot of name. There's so many letters in there. That's fine. You can have as much name as you want. I'm on record. As much (laughs) name as a person needs, right? It's a very, uh, it's an imperial majestic thing. (laughs) You just need like a hyphen and then you can marry someone with a hyphen and then you'll have like eight names. It'll be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just want to make sure because I'm a notoriously bad name. I can't remember names. I can't pronounce names. It's just one of those things. My brain has a massive flaw. All right, so here we go. Uh, Carmelita and I have met recently. We share a love of movies, so I invited her onto the show. And actually, I asked you for a double feature. You threw out two good ones, but I'm really glad we settled on this. So would you like to introduce the movies you picked and why uh, you chose them first? I would love to. First off, I'm going to say thank you for having me on. I love the film Alchemist, so I'm really stoked. (laughs) Um, So I knew you guys were breaking bread this month. Yes. And I was thinking about the holidays, and I wanted a spin on the Breaking Bread theme. I was thinking we would do complicated families in film. Yeah, a lot of that around the holidays. <laughs> a lot of that around the holidays. So these films might make you feel better about your situation, or worse, I don't know, depending on... <laughs> <laughs> if these What's movies going make you think of your tree? situation, yeah, turn off the film Alchemist and call for help <laughs> yeah. right away. <laughs> <laughs> so this double feature, we're going to talk about Carrie from 1976. All-time classic. Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, 1962. Another all-time classic. I'm actually super glad you uh, picked this one because that's one of those I watched. I remember watching it in film school when I was watching all kinds of great movies from this yeah. era. And as you get older, I feel like sometimes I just forget to go back and appreciate that kind of studio era. So I love both of these movies, but we decided we would start with Carrie. Oh, yes. Now, this movie, I have to say, I was struck, right? There's kind of a duality to this movie that I forgot, which is, one, it partly looks like a made-for-TV movie mixed with a softcore pornography. Yes. But the actual storytelling in this movie is fucking stellar in my opinion so it's this really weird mixed bag of a film it is that i just i love and adore i always it's one of those movies every time you come back you forget just how good it is right it's one of those movies that has like an iconic moment and you have to stop and think what was my life like before i saw the end of carrie it's hard to put yourself back in the first viewing of this so i was wondering if you could walk me through uh what you think of Carrie, why this movie popped to your mind. Why do you love Carrie? Oh, man. So I was trying to think about when did I first see Carrie? Yeah. And I honestly don't know. It right? feels like it's always <laughs> been there. Yes. It's like a part of my soul. <laughs> I love this movie. Um, It's <laughs> I think it's. I think what's really cool about Carrie is that it's, I mean, it's it's visually, it's beautiful, but it does have that made-for-TV, the music, that really saccharine, like, after-school special <laughs> thing going on. The, the juxtaposition of that yeah. with the sheer terror of Margaret White, Carrie's yes. mother, she is so scary (laughs) like i would i would hang out in the burning gym before i would sit across the table from margaret white she is just oh absolutely yeah it's it's so funny man they they just they perfectly designed a character that has so many things that i don't like about people (laughs) all in one person it's even that scene where I was watching it and I was like, man, if I was Carrie, I'd be asking to go to my sin closet like all the time. I would just bring a blanket yeah. with me. That's where I would live. So I didn't have to hang out with mom anymore. <laughs> um, but it is one of those moments where right? Carrie at the prom bucket of blood and then the fire behind her. Obviously, it's kind of a whole sequence of iconic images. Mm-hmm. You can pick any one you want. But there's just this 
almost alien look to Sissy Spacek that works so well in that moment where it's like, how can her eyes be as large as an anime character's? But they're so full of fucking rage and wrath. And it's just such an un- unbelievably fascinating journey to get to that point of her is fully unleashing. Um, but it, it's one of those as we because we talked about Texas Chainsaw, too. And it's I don't remember what it was like to see Leatherface for the first time. Yeah. Right. Like I, that scene is always my first thought when I think of that movie. I just remember being like, oh, my God, that's the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And that's how this is, you know, the elevators and the shining. There are just these images that are so fucking burned in our mind that I think. But I do think that something like that, you forget a lot of the little things on the way. Yes. I forgot this movie just started with five minutes of kind of soft core shower scene. Oh, yeah. It was and like you said, the saccharine music is probably the best way to describe <laughs> the whole scene. Right. It is just saccharine across the board. Right. I'm diabetic. I was worried for myself. <laughs> but uh, just like floating, it's it's this weird. It almost has an ethereal vibe to it, but in yes. a, a a scary way, right? It's because I I watched it and I was like, that's what us boys always assumed girls' locker rooms were like. Wasn't no right? Like I assumed oh. it was much more like once the the fog drifts away and Carrie is having her moment in there. Uh, but there is this kind of mirroring of the idyllic high school girl vision and then what Carrie always goes through that I love mm-hmm. in the movie. And I think this, it's really, it comes off as almost laughable when you start, like, look at how poorly this is aged. But I actually think it serves the purpose really well of adding to that kind of body horror that Carrie goes through. I don't know yes. if you would describe it. I never went through that yeah, period yeah, of yeah. my life. No pun I've... intended. Uh, no, it's... Um... It seems terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> one and I think that's what's really interesting is and the the gym teacher says it out loud that she understands where yes. the girls were coming from because she kind of wanted right. to shake her it's she does fucking smack her right yes. in the shower yes she's, she's like hey girl who's being traumatized and covered in uh pads let me smack the shit out of you <laughs> Carrie like running to like different girls in the gym and grabbing them and getting menstrual blood all over their clothes. And I'm just like, God, please stop. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it puts you in that spot where you're like, gosh, I think as a good person, you should want to help, but also gross. Yeah. Come on. You're in the shower. Let's handle this. And then we'll go. (laughs) And then then we'll have a sit down and we'll talk through some things. Right. Cause that's the thing. It was different for, I think that's one of the weird differences between, guys and girls at that age is as a guy all of our stuff is just outside mm-hmm. so our biggest fear is that everyone can see everything and that yeah. it's not enough but for a lady there's so many things happening within the body right and i was struck by that too when my wife became pregnant i was like oh god i was like you're like a creepy crawler oven like your body's just changing and <laughs> mutating and it's i think it's a really scary part of being a lady that men can't sympathize with at all yeah like my body after puberty essentially is like all right we're done like we have yeah, no more things to figure out that's it it's just all here you can see it it's fine <laughs> like, but this this moment of the the kind of steamy dream girl and of course all the girls are kind of young and you know good looking girls and then we go to carrie and she they kind of loosen the steam a bit so it's a little more frank and then once you get that subtle blood shot I love the way they then cut into, again, the the giant eyes of terror yes. are fantastic. But the camera goes kind of Sam Raimi, where it's right in her face and crazy angles the whole time. They do this a lot yeah. throughout the movie. And it's, it's just a really brilliant way of putting you into this, holy shit, she has no idea what's happening to her. Yeah. And that, and, and that's I, another cool moment. One of the things I really love is that, you know, in some shots, especially with that kind of hazy dreamlike quality it softens her out yes but she has this very angular face yeah and so they they'll change the camera and then so in one moment she's this fresh faced little freckle faced girl looks mm-hmm. very sweet and then they pivot and you get all the angles and yeah. you can see all the rough edges Right. Well, yeah, when you put a camera like six inches from someone's face pointing up, right, (laughs) like the shadows and the lights, it just changed. But I think that's the brilliant part of Sissy Spacing. And Shelley Long had a little of this in The Shining. There's just a look. 
mm-hmm. that you can't replicate. And when the eyes get that big, I think it's one of the brilliant things she does that maybe she doesn't get credit for. I remember my mom used to, I don't know if I should out my mom as saying this, but she's just, <laughs> she would just be like, she's so peculiar looking, right? Like <laughs> it just bothered her to watch Shelley Long and The Shining. Just like, she's like, I don't like what I'm looking at. I don't get it, right? And Sissy Spacek has this too, but it's yes. not just, she goes beyond just having, you know, kind of a, an interesting look. But the way that the eyes can at once be completely helpless, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Bambi looking down the barrel of a hunter's gun to what she becomes in the end. Yes. I absolutely love it. It's brilliant. One of, and it's really cool, too, because I, I like what you said, too, about the way they sometimes shoot her with soft edges. There's this shot they do in the movie about four times, I think, where they'll put someone in an extreme close up in the foreground. And then Carrie's kind of in a soft focus in the background. Mm-hmm. They do it when Tommy, when she says she loves Tommy's poem. Oh, I love that shot. Oh, but that's, yeah. So this shot happens a couple times. Then they do it when she apologizes to her own mom for smacking her for having a period, mm-hmm. which is really strange. But what I love about this shot is that when they do it, no one's looking at Carrie, right? And because yes. she's soft, it lets you know that, and I think we kind of messaged about this a little bit on Twitter, is that there is this, this thing that's happening to Carrie that is an extra level of high school terror, which is she's in no control of her own narrative, right? Like in high school, you want to be an individual mm-hmm. and be important, but you also don't ever want all the eyes on you because <laughs> you're oh, like, I'm a fraud. Sure. I don't know what I am. I'm trying to figure it all out. And it's fucking scary. But so this shot of, you know, when Tommy, when she says she loves Tommy's poem, you can see him kind of cringe. And in his mind, he's imagining her as like, oh, this fucking idiot. Right. And then Carrie's mom is like, ah, she agrees with me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like she is a little sinful thing that I can save. And I I think that always pushing her to the background like that just builds to this scare. I think you actually described it to me as the futility of her existence. I think that's a fantastic way to look at Carrie's struggle in this movie. Yeah. There's no safe place for her. No. Even the sin closet it has that fucking yeah. creepy little <laughs> Amelia Hunter Jesus. There, there is so nowhere scary. in her life that is not menacing. Yeah. And meant to oppress her. Like everywhere yeah. she goes, her mother has not set her up for success. <laughs> so <laughs> no. she's. And I, I think that's kind of one of the cool things too is that, you know, the school, it's very bright, it's colorful. All the other students mm-hmm. are really colorful. And you do, you get her in those shots in the background. So even when everyone else is really alive and mm-hmm. fresh and young, she's she's set apart and she's on her own and she's got her hair in her face. And when she goes home, right. it's dark and oppressive and she sleeps in the attic. Yeah. And she's That's got one of those things that closet. seems kind of cool as a high school kid, but not in this version of that life, right? No. Not when in I was attic. a kid, I remember just desperately wanting to sleep in the basement of my house. I was like, it'll be like my castle. I'll be free down there. <laughs> and I thought that was cool. But my house was nothing like Carrie that, White's. You yeah. Know I mean? yeah. Like that, that reeks of, a, you know, kind of a Cinderella Quasimodo motif to me. Yeah. It's really scary. I think because this is the weird duality of what Carrie goes through is when she's at home, she is abused and traumatized for wanting to learn anything. Right. Yeah. And then when she's at school, she's so afraid to be confronted by anything. So it's this weird, I'm afraid of everything, but I want to know it, but I'm afraid to learn it. Mm-hmm. So she really is, she just sits in this movie and almost just begs to be empty and left alone. And I think that is one of the scariest, most powerful mechanisms of the movie, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the movie, you can imagine that blood filling her up in a way, right? She is this mm-hmm. empty vessel that's like, all right, you have now filled me with something and I'll give it back to you tenfold. Um, what did you make of, give me your take on Mrs. White and the uh, the complicated relationship with religion. <laughs> this woman, so. I mean, she has to be, right? I was trying to think of this. If you were doing just the top 10 best characters in a horror movie. I think Mrs. White is up there. I know a lot of people would say she's kind of one-dimensional, maybe a little melodramatic. But if we're just talking purely terrifying and someone you might see in real life. She's way up there for me. Way the fuck up there. She's way Way up up there. there. She's, (laughs) yeah, Margaret White is, 
I think the thing about her is, you know, some people, some characters mm. will kind of spout fire and brimstone and you're not you're trying to figure out, does this person really believe like 100 percent what they're saying? Right, right. She 100 percent <laughs> believes what she's saying. And yeah. that's what's really scary about it, because she's she's not just religious like she's she's taking it in this whole other direction and she's 100 <laughs> percent in to yeah, the detriment but... of her relationship with her only daughter with her everyone like yes. every, we only see her interact with one other house mom and you see this lady just like I'll give you $15 to get the fuck out of my house. Get out of here. Like, please just get the fuck. Because she's standing there for like three minutes and she's already judging and like raising her hand in prayer. Yes. And this lady's like, what, 20, 25? Like, what is this going to take? And even when she yeah. gets the donation, she's still mad about it. Oh, yeah. Know? She's giving her the evil eye. She's just. Yeah. She's. She's so. There's something that, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, it's. This is the weird thing, though, right? And this is something that I, I grew up in a really religious kind of community. And there is this unusual relationship that Carrie's mom has where she only reads the part that are about bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she kind of forgets this whole gospel of love thing. And, like, you know, hey, Jesus was hanging out with the prostitutes trying to, like, make the world a better place. Yeah. You know, like, what about that stuff? She's like, no, no, just the thing about uh, my daughter might be a witch, so I should stab her. <laughs> right? I like, cannot all... suffer a witch to live. Yeah, and it's it's really because that's this is the thing that I think is always scary. Like my favorite religious or subgenre of horror is always religious horror, right? Yeah, me too. Because it, it's that famous quote, right? Whether God is real or not, both answers are the most terrifying answer, right? Yeah. Either we're completely alone, or there's some giant puppet master, and it's terrifying. But I think even more than that, it's what people will do when they can find a way to give themselves an excuse, right? Yep, 100%. So watching her journey, because there's this strange, she's taught her daughter properly, right? According to the gospel, raised her in a religious home. Right. In her complete devotion and raising her daughter this way, like you said, to the detriment of her daughter's life, she still doesn't think it's enough. So there's yeah. a built-in fatalism that she doesn't think Carrie could possibly be okay. And that's fucking scary because it it always is introducing the thing. It's, it makes Carrie the thing she's trying to destroy. Yes. Even before we get all the way to the end of the movie. Yep. It's really, really scary. Yeah, it's unsettling. And it's, I think one of the cool things that happens as you go through the film, you know, she's talking about that you know, oh, well, you know, the boys will come sniffing and now you're, yeah. you know, because of your sin, you're now in this position. This is something you did that you right. did wrong. If you hadn't sinned, this wouldn't have happened. And she's blaming Carrie and blaming Carrie. And then you get to the point in the film where she finally outs herself. Yeah. For, oh, my God. That's for having fucking lusted. Stellar. Yeah. To produce Carrie. And Carrie is the product of her deepest, darkest shame. Yeah. There is a Ooh. weird version of me that's like, I want that prequel movie. If we're doing all these prequels and remakes, I want to see, <laughs> like, you know, the Charlize Theron monster version of Margaret White running down these yeah. honks. Yeah. You know I mean? And Piper it's- Laurie, we were talking about Sissy Spacek. <laughs> Piper Laurie has this great look because she's yes. kind of got this round face and she's got porcelain complexion. Uh, she's got the crazy hair, but yeah. she, there's these moments where you kind of look at her and she's almost soft looking. Yeah. But it's like it's in the eyes. Yeah, no, there's no kind of like ferocity mm-hmm. from her look. It's the way. And I think that's the extra scary part is that. Yeah. The way this facade of a nice soft, like she looks like one of Cinderella's like godmothers, right? Those little fairy godmothers from the cartoon. It's the cake. Yeah, she just kind of got this like soft little (laughs) cherubic look. But the way that that is the front for this fucking vile, the vile venom that is pouring from her, right? Yes. Is really scary. Like when she's just like whiskey on his breath and he abused me and I liked it. And you're like, holy shit, this just went there. Um, (laughs) But the thing that struck me too is, 
So not only is she fatalistic about Carrie can never be okay, right? That despite her doing everything right, they're still doomed, right? There's an extra scary level to that. Another element of this that I found really fascinating is I think it's weird that a woman like this, because this is the thing, I'm not familiar with the Christian take on uh, periods. Right. (laughs) It's like, I, is that the is that actually a sin to most Christians, or did she make that up, right? She, yeah, that. So I don't know where she pulled that out of. Yeah, that was not <laughs> talked about in my Sunday school, so I I don't remember that part, right? I remember the whole like, oh, the woman ate the apple. Shame on you. Yeah. But uh, you know, whatever. But the thing that, in the face of Carrie's abilities, right, raised as this kind of religious role model, mm-hmm. the fact that her mom doesn't see anything divine about that, right? Yeah. There's this weird part of her Christianity that this supernatural element that we see, instead of seeing that as some kind of message from her God, it automatically has to be Satan. Oh, yeah. That's just, it's this extra dumbfounding because that's, yeah. that's the weird part. You're, people always talk about give me a sign and there's a show about God friend requested me now. <laughs> give me something, God. And all of a sudden <laughs> your very Christian daughter showing you powers but because it's not exactly how you like you think it's satan instead of god right right no absolutely yeah and that is really interesting like there could be a version of this story yeah where the mother sees this as a divine gift right that can be used to um you know benefit the world or yeah their their God and she absolutely doesn't that we did not get that version of the story. It's like immediately she must be destroyed. Right. I think, they- I think it goes back to this kind of like this false belief. Right. And there's a lot of this throughout the movie is people defining themselves after trauma in a way mm-hmm. that they think is defense for them. Cause this, I was just imagining when she gets thrown on the bed, right. Yeah, there's a couple times when she feels the actual presence, right? And I was like, that has to feel like a divine moment to you, you know, feeling yeah. this power, this oppressive, invisible hand. Like, That's God 101, right? It, but she just takes it the other way, and then at the end, when her and because so Carrie comes back after the prom in just this blood-soaked gown, and there's this shot where I always forget about it too. When Carrie's kind of sneaking upstairs, and mm-hmm. she just is silently behind the door. And you're like, oh, shit, right? Because they don't do a jump scare sound or music. It's just something that's there in the background. It's one of my favorite things. It's amazing. And, you know, so I always, because it's one of my favorites, I'm always kind of, I'm looking for it. I'm waiting for it. The one that I forget about is when Carrie comes out of the tub and re-enters the room because she's still there. Is she really? Holy shit. Yes. Well, that's Carrie one of those calls- weird ones where you're like, how long was she there? The whole time. She was behind the door the whole time. So Carrie goes in. She takes her bath. <laughs> Carrie comes through the door, and she starts calling for her mother. And then yeah. Mrs. White closes the door, and she's standing there up against yeah. the wall in her little white nightgown looking ready to do murder. Terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, but ter- also imagine this. This is, but this is the kind of thing I love when movies. I don't know that this was intended, but it adds an extra layer to Mrs. White. You're like, imagine your child comes home covered from head to toe in fucking blood. Yes, and you're not at all like, I should at least ask one question. Right? Like, she right. asked no question the first time. Carrie just is like, they did laugh at me. Hugs her mom, and her mom's just like. Well, about when me and your dad used to fuck, right? Like, there's no kind of, there's no, like, hey, are you, is that your blood? Is that a pig blood? Like, what is happening here? Yeah, right? Is that the neighbor kid? Like, there's no concern at all for who the blood is. And that tells you an awful lot about where Margaret is at this point. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, and even, like, the minute, you know, so Carrie, when she's she's walking back from the prom and she's got her hands like super tense and you can tell she's just like she wants to get home because usually home (laughs) is a safe place but home for Carrie is not a safe place but she walks to that door and then you know the door's actually ajar and so you're already like something's not right and she comes in and you start to see the candles and you're like okay okay, something's definitely not right for sure see the candles on the bed (laughs) 
Oh my God, I didn't even notice the candles on the bed. So when Carrie's walking through the house looking for her mother before she goes upstairs, she peeks into her mother's room. I'm presuming it's her mother's room, which is actually a pretty nice room. She's actually got like a nice little bedspread, one of those little chenille bedspreads. (laughs) She's got candles in the middle of the bed. Like that to me is like a huge red flag. Like I'm, I'll go shower somewhere else. Yeah. Well, also you're like, I don't presume that Margaret White has a history of like, I need to get the mood right. You know what I mean? So immediately I'd be like, wow, mom's trying to make it like romantic in here. I'm terrified. (laughs) I'm so scared right now. But yeah, also I was just like, how long does it take to light that many candles? (laughs) Like there's a lot of like crazy person stuff happening in this moment. Uh, The other thing that struck me too, because I had remembered the stab and this and that. I think what's really fun is when Carrie falls down the stairs, right? And Mrs. White's coming mm-hmm. down. She's kind of posing, right? She's almost doing a play. Yeah. She could have killed Carrie easily in this moment. I don't think she wanted to. Mm. I think that when Carrie retaliates, I think that is her earning the martyr's death that she so desired. Yeah. And I think when she dies, right? And her head sinks and she kind of has that shit eating, you know, mm-hmm. little smile, right? There's a bit of, you have just proven me right, you know, yeah. even though it was completely me that forced you into this corner, you know, <laughs> but again, it's that lack of being able to, you know, look at it objectively. Yeah. She's just like, your powers have turned evil to where you're willing to even destroy me. I died fighting the good fight. I was right, right all along. And so she gets to escape her suffering and be right for maybe the first time in her life. Mm-hmm. I forgot that because I thought her mom was viciously trying to murder her. That's just what I had assumed from my previous viewings. Sure. I don't think she is at all in this moment. No, it's a good point. And you bring up the martyr thing. Like, I don't know how familiar you are with saints. I grew up Catholic. Almost love, zero. We <laughs> love saints. So right. it's always, it, it's really struck me this go around that when the knives come and start pinning her coming across. She looks like a, it looks like one of those prayer cards for St. Sebastian. If you look up St. Sebastian, he's got arrows coming out of everywhere. It's a, he's a martyr. That's not good. Yeah. That's the no, least it's not they good. should give you if you get shot with arrows. It's, I mean, it's overkill. Yeah. Sure. It's not good. It's weird too, because <laughs> the little scary Jesus in the prayer closet has Margaret White's hair and the yes like matching wounds and all that Mm. which is kind of weird like maybe that's Carrie subconsciously is doing the art piece on that yeah but there it's just so weird too because the other thing I had forgotten is how orgasmic her death sounds Mm -hmm. you know like she's just oh like she's like she's just completely getting off on this grand (laughs) plan that she had to become a martyr in her own mind Oh, absolutely. There's no sadness. There's no grimace. Mm-hmm. No remorse. I'm not scared that I'm dying. Just all the way in. Because and she's that to me right. is so fucking terrifying. Just Among like all said. the things she does, I think the orgasmic death and then the smile is so terrifying. Now, there's a moment here, too, that I really wanted your opinion on. Why does Carrie run to her and just embrace her mom in the end? Like, what the fuck? Right. Like that's and that one I can't wrap my head around. Yeah. Like that's the complication. Like Carrie has had no, there's nothing supportive about her mother. There's nothing comforting about her mother. And at the end, she still wants her mother. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's this kind of just primal nature of us. We all, You know, in our scaredest moments, kind of want mommy, right? We all revert mm-hmm. back to that. But it's like my kids do that all the time, right? Sure. If things are cool, they'll hang out with me. The moment it's not cool, it's like, mom, get out of here, dad. <laughs> right? So I get that. But I was like, I think your mom just stabbed you. She totally did. Maybe enough to just walk the fuck away. I Maybe. I do think there's a moment in there. The only thing I could come up with in my mind is that after what Carrie has gone through, right? And now it's over. She she ended it with the school and ended it with her mom. That This movie has this running theme of just the way that trauma is passed between people, you know, like a disease, right? It's very mm-hmm. virulent in this movie. 
that maybe at the very end of that, as sick as it is, there's a moment of now I can fully understand the damaged person that you were. Mm. Right? That whether right or wrong, for just that minute before she dies in the sin closet, she understands her mom a little bit. That yeah. her mom suffered this enormous trauma and just never escaped it. Right? And in that moment, seeing her mom release it and this blank slate, she's able to project that on herself and maybe a what could have been. Yeah. Because you see it a lot, right? You see, so they traumatize her. The gym teacher in turn tries to traumatize the girls and is smacking Chris around. Even though Chris is being a piece of shit, you're still physically assaulting someone, right? Right. (laughs) I've never been one of those big Yeah, a fucking student, right? (laughs) I've never been one of those guys that believes that you can just like, fist fight people into getting along and acquiescing, right? Like, yeah. I think if you punch someone, they're going to want to get revenge, right? There's a smallness. Those of us who have been hit and this and that, like, there is a, I feel small and worthless, and then you see Chris, like, want to fight back, right? Yeah. But it happens throughout the movie, because then she goes, and then she's being bullied by her boyfriend, and she's trying to bully him about how stupid he is and this and that. There's just this constant mm-hmm. circle of just passing these bad moments along, so... By the end, you almost look at it that all these little tiny moments of trauma are just drops of blood in that fucking bucket. Yes. And it just kind of pours over everything by the end of the movie. I think that's a really, really nice extra layer that they added. Just these – every character is constantly being a dick to someone. Absolutely. All the way through. It's fucking insane when I rewatch that. Everyone in this movie is a piece of shit. Because you even (laughs) get the idea that the teacher is trying to be nice to Carrie – because mm-hmm. she was probably those girls who traumatized someone when she was younger. Yeah. You know, and then she tries to say, oh, a poem is beautiful. And the teacher's like, nice criticism, dummy. And you're like, Jesus Christ, like, can someone just like not be mean? <laughs> now, here's something I wanted to get your opinion on. Right. Okay. The one act where someone thinks they're being a good person is when, uh, the girl decides to ask Tommy, right? Tommy's girlfriend asked Tommy mm-hmm. to take Carrie White. I get on the surface that this is an idea of, oh, this will be a nice thing. I feel inside of me that there's no way that this was a nice thing to do for Carrie, right? And it could Agreed. just be, I don't know that I would say that this was a malicious decision, but it's definitely misguided and. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't work out at all in the end. I get the impression that it's well intentioned. It feels that because it feels for a moment like there's something else going on. Yeah. Someone needs to see this for what it is. Yeah, but it, but it doesn't feel spiteful. No, it, yeah, it doesn't feel malicious. It doesn't feel spiteful, but it's it's misguided. <laughs> for this sure, <laughs> was never going to work. No, well, the teacher because this is the weird part is that. There's this great scene I love as this is introduced, right? This is kind of our big, like, turning point moment. I love when the teacher brings Carrie in. It's like, look at you. You could be beautiful, man. You've got, you know, you're a nice-looking girl. Do your hair different. Immediately cuts to, well, Tommy, won't you look a little ridiculous showing up with Carrie White? Like, yes. who are you fucking kidding? She doesn't even believe what she just sold, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this kind of disgusting hypocrisy to her behavior, that it's just impossible that, you know, they could want to do something nice for Carrie. And you see it reinforced because Carrie says no to him like three times. She's like, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Right. When her her daydream comes true, she just can't accept that it's real. Yeah. But even in the moment when the teacher's like, how do you think this is going to play? They don't stop and think about what is going, how this is going to play out. Yes. And that part strikes me as very weird. I feel like there's something else going on. I wanted to know your thoughts. <laughs> I mean, I, I've always wondered. I've wondered. Because, yeah, in that moment, the teacher is, the gym teacher is verbalizing what the audience is thinking. Why are you asking Tommy yeah. to do this? And I've always wondered, is it because she feels guilty that she participated is it because she wants to feel better about herself? This magnanimous thing I'm doing, <laughs> right, to help this poor, unfortunate 
girl. Like I, I wonder how much of it is like a genuine interest in helping Carrie and how much of it is she wants to feel a certain way about herself. Right. See, I think I'm not a person that believes a lot in just kind of open-ended altruism, right? Mm -hmm. So I do feel like, because just on its face, right, the very gesture of it is fucking insulting to Carrie. Yeah. Which is, of course you can take my boyfriend to prom because he would never be interested in you and choose you over yeah. me. Yeah, I'll right? like my, lend you my, my boyfriend. Well, <laughs> I married my senior prom date, right? And never in a million years would she be like, it's totally cool if you go to our prom with someone else, you it's know, weird. just because. It's weird. And then we even see Tommy kissing her a couple times, and she still doesn't look like that is a problem to be solved. Um, it's really strange. It's it's hard for me because it leads you to this great sequence in the movie. And this is something I had kind of forgotten about, but I really latch on to. Now, maybe I'm get, just getting older and more sentimental, right? I've been really like a movie crier for a long time. Mm. But this part got me. I liked Carrie taking charge and writing her own narrative for like 30 minutes of the movie, right? Having something for herself. I love that part. Yeah. Uh, and what I told you is it's it's this ever it's the thing that I think is undervalued in the movie and makes it an evergreen watch. So the first time you watch it, you're on this journey and the ending hits you like, holy fuck, what did I just watch? It's so scary. <laughs> Every time you watch it subsequently from the moment she says yes to Tommy and no to her mom. There is so much extra tension and pressure in every fucking moment. Yes. Because as every time we see her smile, we know how that is going to be paid back. Mm -hmm. It's fucking brutal. It's and it's one of those things that we all can relate to having been high school kids. And this gets back to that. I get where Tommy's girlfriend thinks she's giving her this gift. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe in a way she did. You know, this is the weird part mm. of the movie, too. What if she doesn't do that, right? Carrie just keeps getting kind of naturally bullied, never has the good moment, never stands up to her mom, so keeps being traumatized by school and mom until she doesn't get to go to college and just starts going door-to-door -door with her mom. And, you know, is it better to have loved and lost than never loved at all, I guess? Yeah. This is, that's the scary what-if of the movie. I was thinking about that, too, last night. I was thinking about... What if Sue had dropped it? Yeah. If Carrie what if when the teacher the came to them? Yeah. And Sue dropped it. Carrie doesn't go to the prom. Carrie's still trapped in this house with her mother. Clearly. <laughs> like, yeah, I've, I've wondered that myself. I was yeah, thinking about that. It feels like saying yes to Tommy and no to her mom is the most integral part of her reaching that you know, giant eyed fury moment. If she doesn't take any ownership of her own life and her own self-worth, as you said, the futility of her existence, right? If she never overcomes that, is she ever able to reach the, you know, power level where she could, you know, commit this act? Yeah. So there, there's something really important about, it's kind of this question, you know, that the best laid intentions of trying to save someone you know, did they make it worse? Was this the inevitable outcome of all this? I mean, I don't think it's – there is – it's so hard because the moments of her doing her dress when she tries the lipstick on in the mirror for the first time without her mom over her shoulder, mm -hmm. without feeling guilty, uh, watching her just at the prom in general, it's as adorable a sequence of movie that I can think of, right? Like just her at the – like I don't know how to dance – uh, should we have punch? Like, should we vote for ourselves? Her walking to the stage is so long. That feels like a five-minute sequence, yes. right? And it's, you just want to reach out and give her all the hugs and keep her safe. But you fucking know you can't. You know what's coming, and yeah, it's so no, gut-wrenching. One of the brutal. things I love is the spinning. You get the spinning yes. teeth. When, when she and Tommy are dancing. Yes. And they're they're spinning around as they're dancing, and it's like this euphoric, joyful thing. And there's dreamy lights, and there's sparkles, <laughs> and and like for that, and then they're laughing. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, Carrie, it's mm -hmm. all about to end. Yeah. And then 
when she's standing on the stage and she's covered in the blood and she sees the kaleidoscope spinning of faces laughing. Um, Now that part struck me too, the kaleidoscope, because this is something else I had never really pinned in on. I don't think they all laughed at her. No. Right? Because I do think what you see is that people are fucking repulsed, right? Mm-hmm. And they, I think every person on a base level, right? Your first react, you can see like the shitty kids that were in on it laughing. Yeah. But I think there's this empathy in most high school kids that your first reaction would be like, holy shit, imagine if that was me. Not like they're good people, but just the, mm-hmm. the overwhelming gravity of, oh, this is going to be a thing. Like that will haunt you. Like there was a thing that happened to a girl at my high school graduation, I'm not going to repeat on air, but I still think about it fairly regularly. Like weirdly enough, her traumatic moment still resonates with me with you. Yeah. Like my best moments of high school. So I was like, Oh my God, the embarrassment. Like imagine, I wonder if she still thinks about it and you know, she fucking does if I do for sure. And it's, it's so, but the thing that is so funny is that what happens in that moment is Tommy's spinning her around and kind of separating her from her, her sensibility which is this is a little much and then (laughs) her mom is almost the one spinning the kaleidoscope right they're all gonna laugh at you yes and the other cool thing in this moment because what they do in the kaleidoscope is they cut to tommy's friends who clearly are not laughing when we see in the normal view and then the teacher who wanted to save her the principal so it's Mm -hmm. all people that i don't think would be mocking her those are the first ones that she imagines are mocking her Yes. Right? Like, yeah. you have fucking betrayed me and brought me here. The other cool thing I noticed is when they drop the pig's blood, that's actually the audio of the shower. That's shower mm. water audio, right? Mm-hmm. So it's bonding those two traumatic moments, you know, of blood, right? Her yes. blood and then other blood. Um, And I think it's really because the bucket would just be like a splash and like some drips. There's, yeah. They put the shower audio. So as she is turning... You know, she's bonding with this, you know, this will always be my existence here, right? This mm-hmm. is just a place of perpetual trauma. This was all a lie, right? I can't remember what her line was, but I fucking, it was so adorable. Like, again, you just want to hug her, right? Like, I want to <laughs> hug her like I hug my dog and kids where you're just like, you're so fucking cute and naive and innocent. And I want that to stay, right? You want people like that in the world. Yeah. Uh, You know, you don't want the, I think it's the carry too, which is just God awful sequel. Oh, I've never seen it. It's it's really funny on Amazon Prime and you should watch it. The funniest reveal in that movie is that we find out that the girl who has nothing to do with it, they're kind of in the same town. The girl who Tommy's girlfriend is back. She's a school counselor now after oh. she gets out of the insane asylum. Uh, but she finds out that this is Carrie's sister. And I was like, so I think his name was Ralph White, knocked up Mrs. White, and then 36-ish years later, <laughs> knocked up this other lady that's weird who has schizophrenia and made another girl in this it's a really weird it was pretty much a zero star movie but i'm a sucker for anything that's wildly 90s high school and so if you're if you grew up like in my age demographic you just see those like 90s high school things you're like holy shit i love this even though it's bad but the teacher in that there's a line when they're talking about shakespeare and like inevitable tragedies and he says this line about a romantic how refreshing a cynic how cliche and that's how i feel about carrie it's just refreshing to think that there's someone like her right that is just so good and but the line she says at the prom is you know it's like being on mars like she just can't fathom that good things are coming her way and even as the date is going well and tommy's a pretty good guy and he's not he doesn't feel like he's just doing it because his girlfriend told him he's really buying in and being a good dude about it and that almost makes it more horrible, right? Yeah. It's an insidious sub, you know, kind of like subplot of the movie, which is some people just by giving them hope, you're hurting them more. And it's fucking, it's a repulsive, cynical mindset that I don't love. As yeah. I'm rooting for Carrie, <laughs> it really made me mad watching it. But you, it can't, made me I mean, you can't help it in this context. Like, yeah, because you're... I definitely like over the years, like I'll sometimes when I'm watching Carrie, like I, yeah, I have that moment of, oh God. Okay. Dial it back, Tommy. Dial it back, Tommy. Yeah. He's going to take her to the beehive and do all these things with her. You just want it. Like, I was like, I want the, uh, what is that? She's all that version. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like, I want it to work out. You're like, I know what's coming, but maybe it'll be different this time. <laughs> you know, you're just, you're so praying that she doesn't have to go through this. Because she's become this kind of larger than life avatar for all of us. And I think it's yeah. even, it's especially traumatizing for, uh, you know, women in high school, I can imagine. Because for us, our biggest problem, like, you can't really do anything as a guy that was too bad. Mm. You might be like a nerd or whatever, but like women just deal with so. Nah, I mean, I don't have to tell you; you would fucking know. Oh yeah, no. I'm only saying field. what my wife told me as we watched the movie, <laughs> right? Because she went to high school with me. And she's like, you don't even fucking know what it's like for a woman in high school. That's what my <laughs> wife told me. So I'm not trying to mansplain, right? I'm just repeating no, I know. what my wife said, and she's just like, yeah, you don't get it, man. Like everything, because she's like, how early did you get up to go to high school? I was like, I don't know, like five minutes i'd roll over and like smell my clothes and if they were fine i'd go and she's like i used to get up two hours before yeah. i'd want to leave to like get ready mm -hmm. and i was like you got ready to go to high school like wow so like she my wife was just illuminating all this and as she's <laughs> saying and i'm like well now i'm even more sad for carrie <laughs> now you're making it even worse <laughs> and her mom's like lashing her on the way out the door yes <sighs> fucking brutal it's good okay some other quick questions uh why do you think they went with the pig's blood joke? That is such a hardcore joke. It's pretty hardcore. I grew up as a country kid and I was like, this would have been extreme even for the country kids. It's, ex it's extreme. And when you think about, I forget about this sometimes when I haven't seen the movie in a while that they slaughter the pigs themselves. Holy shit, yeah. And not only did they slaughter it, but with the fucking sledgehammer. Yes. Like they didn't even, like, bring a knife or a gun. Yeah, no. Like, something kind of a little... I guess none of it's super humane. But I was like, you just fucking smashed that thing's head, like, four times? Yeah. Ooh. The length... That was brutal. The lengths that Chris and her boyfriend, because he wants to get laid, the, yeah. the, the lengths that they're willing to go to for this revenge is pretty gnarly like it's it's yeah, well, especially intense. considering travolta looks like he's 35 and not in high school <laughs> he's like all right my high school girlfriend do i smack around i guess i'll go murder pigs for guess and i was like how are they pumping the blood out there's like a whole lot of weird <laughs> there's a whole happening lot of in that scene. i always think about the smell yeah yeah he if you grew up in the smell. country like when the wind shifts and you're like oh the chicken farm down the road i can smell yeah it's oh that's it's not, not good. It's gnarly. It's gnarly. But the other thing, too, is how this is Chris's orgasmic moment. Yeah. Right? Like, she constantly feels like she's doing this, like, kind of stringing Travolta along with maybe you will get sex, maybe won't. Mm -hmm. Even the only sex act we see is uh, it seems like she's giving him a blowjob. Yeah. But is monologuing the whole time. So I don't know if that's even, like, just a tease moment or something. Yeah. But... This is her moment of ecstasy. This is the moment she actually feels happy. Because they do this kind of cool smash cut mm -hmm. where it's like every swing they cut to her and she's like, yes, yes. And you're like, oh, my God, what is wrong with this girl? Yeah. You're like, this no, is just because a PE teacher made you do CrossFit? <laughs> she's so what down. Well, and when she's. When they're at the dance and they and they'll, they do this real tight shot on her mouth. Yes. And she's licking her lips. She is just savoring everything about this moment. It's yeah, it's bonkers. It kind of has this little Red Riding Hood vibe, right? Like, it's just kind of yeah. this predator. Like, I can't wait to fucking feast upon this fucking innocent. It's just crazy. though. And that's the other thing about that sequence is how long that we know they're under there. And yeah. how long that bucket waits above our head. It reminded me of that Hitchcock quote where it's there's no drama in the explosion just knowing the bombs under mm -hmm. the sea. I just butchered that quote, right? That's not at all his quote, but that's kind of a paraphrasing of we'll it. We'll take it. But this is like the big one of the biggest bombs in movie history. Yeah. You know, you're just like, I know that thing's been up there for like three fucking days, right? Like we're doing like two or three days of movie knowing what's coming. I Yeah, Chris to me this time is so much more vile and is that really all it is? Is she just felt embarrassed? And that's why she was willing to give up prom and all this? You know, I was I was wondering about that myself. I there's there's definitely a power play here. Chris yeah. feels like she should not be punished 
for what they did to Carrie. And I think the fact that the gym teacher came at her like, you guys did this thing and now you're going to pay for it and you're getting off, you know, easy. Mm. We're going to have you do this gym thing for a week. And Chris is like, nah, fuck that. Like Chris does not want to give an inch. And also she's clearly the best at exercising the whole time. Yeah. Like, it's not like Chris is like 500 pounds and this is going to be really hard for her. Like, no, she just doesn't want to do it. She just does not want to give. And on top of that, I think she gets to a place of to spite the teacher. Yeah. She's decided she hates Carrie, but I think it's really more about the teacher. Oh, well, it's so funny, too, because the scene that stuck out to me in that regard, right? Because just her. Her blatant disrespect for the teacher, and the teacher disrespects her enormously, right? Yeah. It feels like I was you, and you <laughs> fucking think you're going to amount to something. Yeah. Like, you know, I know exactly where this is going. So kind of, again, just as everyone hurting each other the whole movie. The scene that was so wild to me is as Carrie is kind of taking ownership of herself, right, and doing her lipstick, is that girl's still on the prom decorating committee yeah. in the room kind of gleefully like, I can't tell you what we're doing. I can't tell you. And just you watch this chain of high school girls doing the, did you hear who Tommy's taking? Mm-hmm. He's taking Carrie White. And the way they talk about her is if she's not a person. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's just this kind of dehumanizing effect across the whole board. And I don't think that Chris honestly gives a shit about Carrie White no. at all as part of her vengeance, right? It is just this, she's so fucking beneath, just the same way, like, I don't care that that's a pig. I'm just going to smash its brains out for my comedy. Like it's just it's really Chris is a really hardcore high school kid. Yeah. Right. And then the weird part intense. when she's watching the massacre, you get the sense, too, that she has no remorse for what she's done. Zero. Right. Like, do you think Chris is like, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Not for one second. <laughs> Not for you don't one think she's a very insightful person. Second. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe 10, 15 years down the road, she has some kind of life-changing experiences and comes to a a moment of self-reflection. But Like the gym teacher? Yeah. Well, sadly, 10 or 15 minutes later down the road, (laughs) there are no more reflections to be had. I did. It was – it is kind of interesting when when the massacre starts. Yeah. And – Chris and her boyfriend, was it Billy? They're looking, they're outside because they got kicked out and they're, and they're looking through the window and she's, she does have a look for a second. Like, oh shit. Yeah. What just happened? Yeah. Like for maybe just a second, she's thinking, fuck, what? (laughs) What happened now? It's so, and this is the part that I think is one of the the hardest parts in the movie, right? The three people most directly responsible for this massacre are Tommy's girlfriend, Mm -hmm. through good intentions, right? Yeah. Which we all know the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? (laughs) Now that we're doing quotes all show. And then Tommy and Chris just run out laughing, right? They run out by the drum set, and they're just watching their handiwork. The three people most directly responsible for this don't suffer the wrath right away. And this whole gymnasium of just other kids all get slaughtered. The teachers, the principal, mm-hmm. Tommy dies in that fire, right? Good Tommy dies. Yeah. She had no compunction to save him. It's it's the moment of, I would like your take on this. When that blood hits Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. What is happening in her mind? How do you visualize this? Again, you, this is probably... You know, more of an experience you would have had in high school, the kind of fears and this and that. Of being a young lady, just strut strut up there to be mm-hmm. embarrassed, right? What would be, what do you think is happening in Carrie's brain? Because it looks like there's nothing happening, but that can't be it in my mind, right? No, no. I think there's probably the split second of, of shock, like. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Like Ew, gross. <laughs> yeah, gross. <laughs> but I I think it's probably a whole lot just like we see the kaleidoscope spinning. 
Right. I think it's probably this fl- this rush of thoughts. And and you know her eyes are getting really wide and she's she's all tensed up. Yeah. I think and you know we see red. And I think that that's a visual way of showing us that in that moment like she's got the rush of thoughts and she can hear the laughing. And I think in that moment, it's like, I knew it. I knew. Yeah. I knew it. And she just snaps. Yeah. It's so, because I love the way too, that it starts as red, but then once the fire ignites, you're like, oh fuck, we're all the way in. But I think it's one of the cool things that, because something I read online and this is, I didn't realize this was a thought about the movie is they're like. Oh, she's not Carrie anymore. She's like taken over by this, you know, anger. I was like, I don't mm. fucking think so, man. I no. think this is her most Carrie moment, right? This is the most human she is because we can all relate to this. And I think what it is is because as there's so much chaos unfolding, she's very statuesque, right? Minimal mm. movements. The the big ones that you can think of are the classic, eh, eh, like whipping her head around yeah. to look at like things she's closing and throwing. But there's just, she's so fucking calm and still amongst the chaos of this moment and just that transition from her as she begins to cry to just that you know her face just well i that's the thing too is i think people latch on to how blank she looks but to me her eyes are doing tons of work yes like her eyes are just i mean that's acting right that's just acting for days you know you can get anyone to just stand there and be like don't make a move but her eyes are fucking pouring out heat and rage. Yeah. So and I think it's really it. it's intense. You see it in some of the people that get targeted. Cause she, like you said, she's very she's she's all tensed up, her shoulders are up, she's not moving uh, except to move her head sometimes. Mm-hmm. Her eyes are so wide, she's just really still. But like she targets certain people. Yeah. The teacher. The teacher's like begging and trying to get her to stop. And like the teacher has this tone in her voice of concern. And that almost makes it worse for Carrie. And Carrie brings yeah. that um whatever it's like a basketball hoop. Yeah. Smashes her in half. Oh god. Yeah, that one looks like the worst one. <laughs> Carrie's doing this with her mind. So she's yeah. she's definitely like the the thoughts are racing. And yeah she has this teacher who's who's trying to calm her down and trying to reach her and Carrie does not want to be reached. Yeah, and she imagined the teacher laughing at her when the teacher mm-hmm. clearly would not have been laughing at her. It's yeah, I mean it's this weird to me it's just, you know, the death by a thousand cuts. She suffered cuz this is something that I was struck by too is if you think back, right? Do you think Carrie ever had a good moment in her life? The book goes into this a little more, mm. right? Where she was kind of a troubled, weird kid, too. You know, she right. did things that people are like, she's weird. We don't like her. But the movie doesn't delve into that at all. I think it's just kind of this assumed. Yeah. By the way we find her at the start, is that this has just been her life. And then you look at her mom, and her mom even says, I should have given you back to the Lord when you yeah. were born. It's like, holy shit. So your mom's been thinking about she wishes you had been dead your whole life. Yeah. It's just. You know, it just feels like returning the injuries back. You mm-hmm. know, she then becomes this fucking reflection upon how they've all treated someone that they didn't even see as human anyways. It's it's a lot. There's a lot going on there that I think this movie does not get credit for. No, absolutely. Yeah, because they're like, isn't it cool? She does the eyeballs and this and that. <laughs> like, but there's a lot going on behind the eyeballs. Yeah. And then she has to go home. So she kills a car. And then has to go home and fight her mom in the candles. It's like, good Lord. It's the yeah. worst night. You want to know the image that really sealed it for me this time? Is that when Carrie's house is rubble, mm-hmm. they put the sign in there to sell the lot. They still fucking blame Carrie. Yes. And it says Carrie, Carrie White must die. Hell. Or burn in hell. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, she still can't catch a fucking break. Yeah. I mean, technically, yes. She might have. Uh, been causing some of the carnage but you know they lit the fuse yeah chris well, lit the fuse it's even before that like i don't know if you caught it when 
the gym teacher is holding the first session of the detention. Mm-hmm. You see someone, you see like a um, someone from the janitorial staff is cleaning graffiti off the door behind them, and it says Carrie White eats shit. Really? That's what they said in the volleyball game, too. Yes, and there's like a little like caricature of Carrie. And so it's like Carrie is constantly blamed for not fitting in. She's blamed for it's like they treat her a certain way and it's her fault that they treat her that way. And then it's her fault when they have to be held accountable for what they did. Yeah. She's Why did you blamed. make me do this to you, Carrie? Yeah. I hate you for that. <laughs> and and yeah, it's it's just like throughout the whole film. So it's like no surprise. That this one hurt. I got to say, on this viewing, yeah, it. I was just hurt more, right? Mm-hmm. My heart felt like it was like the opposite Grinch, right? Where it's like they grew my heart 10 times the size or whatever it is in the Grinch to then just brutally slice it to bits. <laughs> it, it was an emotional viewing. At the end of it, you're just, I got nothing left. I'm so fucking depressed. <laughs> I'm miserably depressed. And you're like, I guess I'm supposed to take solace. And the fact that a high school full of children got burned to death, I was like, there's not really like a, and then even after it's all over, the nightmare ends, they're still writing bad things about Carrie. You're like, I don't know what to take from this. It's just all bad, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's pretty dark. Like when you like break it down, it's pretty dark. You mentioned that Carrie too, that Sue becomes a school counselor. Yes. So Sue is now a school counselor. Not good, because it seems like her strategy is, I'm going to bully this girl into revealing she has Carrie's powers, then breaks her schizophrenic mom out of the asylum so that she can tell this girl that she is Carrie White's sister. Uh, (laughs) So Sue learned nothing from this whole experience? All she learned is that, oh, fuck, this girl's got the same powers. And the girl's friend sleeps with a football player. Whose friends tell him she's not hot enough. It's Mina Suvari, actually. Who is the hottest one uh, who turned Kevin Spacey at American History X, right? Yeah. But in this movie, she's, they call her, I think it's called a wolf or coyote dick, is the phrase this movie invents where, okay. oh, if you wake up with a girl like that on your arm, you have to chew your arm off so you don't wake her up running away. I was like, holy shit, I'm from the 90s and I do not remember no, that. No, I don't remember that. that at all. But because of their their <laughs> crassness, right, and their game of they rate all these girls and see who has the most points, she kills herself. And this sets Carrie on the demolition path. Okay. Uh, with these kind of football bullies and this and that. Or not Carrie. I think her name's Kristen. Mm. Something. It's weird because it's called Carrie 2, The Rage, but it's not. But there is no Carrie? No, they cut away to the red shots, right, okay. and some of the gym murders. So they put that in just – in case, because if you're watching, you'd be like, why is this called Carrie too? They just have some of that in there for good measure. Yeah, like that's what I was saying. It's essentially a zero-star movie, but if you like 90s high school, there's a lot of those moments where you're like, holy fuck, that's how we used to dress. Like, Jesus Christ. Or like they're in a diner that's playing like, you know, kind of smooth R&B. And I think it's it, Jason London is the, the romantic lead. And he oh, goes, of course he is. Yeah, he's like, this music sucks. Don't they have anything good like garbage? <laughs> and I was like, 90s kids. Yeah. It was a time and a place. It was a thing. I, I remember it fondly, so I'll give it stars for that. But as a Carrie movie, so, so bad. Horribly bad. <laughs> and this is the other fun thing. Every time she almost uses her power, they do this like extreme close-up cutaway to black and white. Yeah, it's real weird. Actually, I just think you should watch it. After our conversation, I think you'll actually get something from watching it. I might have to now just to experience it for myself. I'm one of those guys. I always tell this to Alex because he doesn't love horror movies. So we debate a little bit on, you know, what are worth watching movies and this and that. Right. And I'm like, honestly, as long as it's weird enough that I feel like, well, I'll remember it. That's my threshold for movies now (laughs) at this age. Like, I just want it to be memorable, even if it's memorably bad. That's all I really want. And Carrie, too, definitely is that. There you have it. All right, guys, that's it uh, for Carrie, man. I hope you had some fun. Sometimes it's fun to talk about bad stuff. Yeah, I fucking adore this movie. And I was really glad to have the chance to rewatch it. And 
have my wife tell me about how traumatic our high school experience was without me realizing it. <laughs> I learned a lot this time. I felt good about it. <laughs> All right, guys, as always, uh, thank you for joining us. If you find the pod somewhere where you can leave us a rating and review, please do. Share the show with one of your movie-loving friends on all your uh, socials, as the kids say. You can find us on YouTube at Nerd Alchemist. That's plural, with an S. Uh, and join us again right now, right now, for whatever happened to Baby Jane. Uh, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we'll see you in a minute. Bye.